0: Welcome to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Listen to in-depth discussions about different legal fields and hear insights and lessons learned from practitioners across our enterprise. Chapter 8, Reflections on the First Tour Judge Advocate Experience.
1: I'm the professional development officer here at Rolso Midland. And I'm here with Lieutenant Shauna Morris and Lieutenant Aaron Spencer. And today we're going to be talking about uh, graduating from the FTJA program um, and going into that second tour as an overseas assignment. Uh, Lieutenant Morris, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your background?
2: Sure. Um, I went to the same ODS NJS class as um, Lieutenant Spencer. We uh, came here together, both in legal assistance for our first rotation. Um, I went to trial, he went to defense, and we met up again in command services, um, all different commands, and uh, and now we're we're back in our respective litigation uh, tracks and getting ready to move on. Okay.
1: And Lieutenant Spencer?
0: Uh, yeah. Sean covered it. Um, I, we came into the Navy at the same time, um, the only, you know, when she went to TPU for command services and I went out to Naval Air Station Oceana as the JAG, and then I went we each went back to trial defense where we were before um, because that was sort of the transition into the 6 six twelve thing, and the previous PDO just shunted us back to where we were before, and here we are.
1: Okay, and Shauna, where are you headed to
0: um, for your second tour?
2: I will be going to be the uh, DSO OIC in Sasebo,
1: Japan. Okay, and Aaron, how about yourself?
0: I'm going to be the JAG for Submarine Squadron 15 in Guam.
1: Okay, so tell me a little bit about... Um, so far, your experience—you got the call from the detailer. The detailer says, "Congratulations, you got your orders." What happens next?
2: Uh, well, first joy, um, <laughs> because that that was at the very top of my list, um, and I know that there was some competition for that. So, uh, just elated to get that then fear, <laughs> uh, because you have no idea what to do next, um, and you can't really do anything until you get that letter of intent, or you get those orders, and for me it was a letter of intent.
1: And then Aaron, uh, where did you get uh, orders
0: to? So, um, I was excited to get my orders to Guam, uh, but it wasn't uh, wasn't on my list at all. Um, I had asked for first sea billets, and then overseas billets, uh, and... Um, I had asked to go to Sasebo as the SJA. Um, I'd asked to go to a couple other places. And then this kind of came up um, at a recommendation from uh, my ex-O, um, Commander Chaplak, uh, just said, hey, this job became available and I thought you'd be good for it. So I called the, de- the detailer and then she called me like 24 hours later.
1: So how do you both feel about having those overseas orders, especially Aaron in your um, situation where it wasn't at the top of your list, but, but now you're going?
0: At first I was a little nervous about what I was going to do in Guam, Um, (laughs) it's a tiny island out in the middle of nowhere, Uh, but I just spent a lot of time talking to a whole bunch of people who had been stationed in Guam to see, you know, what's it going to be like, and I'm really excited about it now.
2: I think we were both hoping to be in SASBO together because we'd been, you know, having this journey together and we're hoping to continue it, but um, Mm. now we have the opportunity to visit each other in some really cool places, so...
0: Yeah, um, and it's the, going overseas, I think, is a little easier for both Shauna and I because neither of us have kids, neither of us have spouses, neither of us have any pets. You know, we don't have anything difficult to move besides ourself and our stuff. Just um, a fake plant. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so your
1: experiences uh, will be a little bit different than anyone who gets orders, maybe in their second tour, who has a family, pets, plants, whatever it is that they, they may come to the Navy with. Definitely an easier transition for
0: us. Yeah, I anticipate though the beginning is still the same. You know, you get you get that call that says you're going overseas and then you're really excited because you're going overseas and you're gonna be doing, you know, what you joined the Navy to do, right? Join the Navy, see the world. And then the next thing that happens is, oh crap, I don't know how to go overseas <laughs> or what I'm supposed to do or who I'm supposed to talk to.
1: And that's exactly why we're talking today to give at least a small preview into um, what it what it's like uh, in your particular circumstances? You know, trying to get uh, everything together to go overseas. So you mentioned that letter of intent. What what can you do with your letter of intent?
2: Really, um, it, it's so that you can go start your overseas screening, which is important because sometimes it takes a while. Um, and and for me, it was about the average length of time, but still nerve wracking because it anything could happen, and and then you've got to start from scratch if you get the if you get the no go.
0: Um. So, in the overseas screening, like you go in, you fill out a whole bunch of paperwork, um, and you take them your medical record. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do a review of your medical record at the clinic where you are, and then they note anything that may be, any conditions you have that may be, need to be treated, any, any medications you're taking that aren't and they,
2: usual, yeah, Right, that
0: aren't usual, and then they send them to the MTF wherever you're going. And they say, hey, Can you support this?
2: And that MTF gets the final say, really.
0: Right. Um, My overseas screening took 48 hours. It was absurdly short. Um, I I went in, turned the paperwork the day, and then sort of the next day, uh, they called and said, okay, fine. No issues, no (laughs) issues. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then how about um, other things to consider? So you have your letter of intent, you are doing your medical screening, you don't have orders, so you can't do much at that point. What are some other considerations, you know, that, that folks should be thinking about when they get that call? You got your orders, and now here's your letter of intent. What are your random thoughts on that?
0: So you kind of want to start thinking about, okay... I'm in a lease with an apartment or a house or something. I have a cell phone contract.
2: When do those Um, things end? Yeah.
0: What about gym memberships and utilities and cable? And what's going to happen to my mail during the transition when I don't have an address? Stuff like that. Um, And, you know, all of us have been through legal assistance. And so we've maybe advised other people with regards to that stuff. That's Um, different when it's you. But it's different when (laughs) you're doing it. And I went back to legal assistance uh, for some help. Uh, and, and talk to somebody that I had worked for there and said, hey, can you just give me the templates that I'm missing and kind of help me navigate this again so that I can remember how to do it.
1: So do you have any suggestions for anyone going through this, tips, that things that they could do to, to make it easier?
2: Make a list for yourself and talk to some people who've already done overseas moves. Um, talk to admin. Um, go online and Google it. There's like checklists that people have made, not necessarily even for the military, but just moving overseas, things to
0: think about. So the the, <laughs> um, ten commander Romeo will know that the very first thing I did was come and sit in her office and say, "Hey, I'm moving overseas. I'm really excited about that, but now what?" <laughs> right.
1: And uh, having not had an overseas tour except for a deployment, I didn't experience some of these things. So there, there's only so far um, your PDO can can go, um, having not served overseas. Uh, now, let's say you get your orders, you have your official orders, you can schedule the move, you have that official document, um, what do you do with your stuff?
0: Uh, so the first challenge is deciding what you actually want to take and what you don't want to take. Right. Um, it's more challenging than you would think. Um, I decided I'm not taking the bulk of my big furniture, because it was pretty cheap furniture and I didn't, I didn't want it. So I've got to get rid of that stuff, right, and it's all got to be out be- hopefully before the pack out, it gets done. Um, and so once you decide what you're taking and you deal with that, you have to go to Moved Out right? And the website itself is pretty easy to navigate. Um,
2: and it has some very good information on there.
0: Yeah, and so it helps you fill everything out, get everything in. But there's a hitch at the end um, that neither Sean I nor I were expecting. Um, I'm gonna let Sean explain it because.
2: <laughs> so you get through. Um the sort of question and answer portion um, and at the very end it makes you think like you're done that you're you're just waiting on a call from a counselor to give you advice on what to expect before you get a call from the movers Um, but actually there are two documents that you're expected to download and fill out um,
0: well not fill out but sign right like it generates them and it makes you think that you're done right it makes you think that okay You've been counseled. But
1: it's a PDF document that you physically have to sign.
2: Sign yeah. and send it back to them before they will schedule you a time yes. to talk to a counselor. Yeah,
0: They're very crusty if you call them without having uploaded those documents. You wouldn't be the first to fail at that <laughs> evolution.
1: <laughs> Many of us, including myself, have done the same. Um, Now, what about a car? You both have cars here in in Norfolk, Virginia. So what do you do with those?
2: So I can take my car to Japan if I want to, um, but there is a cost involved um, that I didn't realize at first. Um, Japan has about emissions testing and insurance and that sort of thing. So it would cost me about five grand um, once I get my car over there in order to drive it while I'm there. Or I can leave it here and pay about two grand to get a car when I'm there. Uh, so that's that's what I plan on doing. I plan on uh, selling my car here and getting one while I'm there.
0: Yeah, I, I'm going from America to America, so I, they're not driving on the other side of the road. You know, the steering wheel's on the same side. Everything is fine. Um, but I still decided to sell my car. Uh, the, the The calculus for me was I'm going over here and I don't I don't want to have to have a rental car for several weeks and spend several hundred dollars um, and overseas I keep being told it's a good time to save up money to and so I just want, don't didn't want to have the car payment anymore um, so I did the same thing. I'm selling my car here, and I'm just going to buy a, a beater over there for a couple years and save money.
1: Now you both have hit on a big issue, which is the financial cost. You know, financial hit here. Um, is there something that uh, you could talk about about assisting folks with with that those upfront costs? Sure.
0: Yeah. So um, one of the things that no one told us were there are several entitlements when you're moving, especially when you're moving overseas. Um, right. You get a dislocation allowance that it changes every year but this year for 03s i think it's like 2500 a little over 2500 dollars mm-hmm. um there's a temporary lodging allowance that you get for when you get there and you're looking for a place to live and you um,
2: can get advanced per diem
0: yeah mm-hmm. you can get advanced per diem you can get an advance on your pay if you need it or you want to um I, I i don't think i'm in the situation where i need to do that but uh it's an option it's an option that you can you can do to defray moving costs especially if you're Moving a big family, or you know.
2: And for somewhere like Japan, where I mean, I was speaking to people very early and they were telling me, okay, you're going to need about, you know, somewhere between four and eight thousand dollars just in cash up front. Well, I maybe some people have that sort of money just in their savings account ready to spend in cash. Uh, I do not. Um, so knowing that there were these entitlements out there and, and, and options for me was a relief.
1: So really, the the key here is that the um, entitlements information comes sort of at your checkout um, from your command. It's part of that checkout process. It would be better to have it up front so that that um, mm-hmm. people know when they're going overseas or going to another assignment that th- these are not just for overseas either. This is for um, anyone PCSing their entitlements. But better to, to give that information up front. And there's right. paperwork that you have to fill out in order to get those things.
0: Yeah. And so you're and so. Once I got my orders, my admin gave me a packet of stuff to fill out, and, and he sort of explained to me, hey, this is a dislocation allowance, this is a TLA, this is all this stuff, just check yes. And you're entitled to all this stuff, and so you want to get it. Um, it and part of it is that Shauna and I are fairly type A, mm-hmm. and so we talked to everyone we could possibly talk to <laughs> as soon as we found out we are moving overseas, because we realized we didn't know anything. Um,
1: Okay. So now after you get your orders and everything is set, your household goods done, you've done the two forms, signed them and sent them in, uh, learning a lesson there. What are you keeping anything with you? What tips would you give for, for those going overseas or even during any PCS? So all
2: all my very important paperwork. Yes.
0: Um, So for me, I, I, I ship my stuff really early. Um, I want to give it time to get there around the same time that I'm getting there. So I, you know, just sort of, asked around, and I asked one of the the lieutenants that that we came in with, and I said, hey, can I just stay in your guest room for a month, and I'll pay whatever, Um, but that way I can go ahead and ship my stuff and still have a bed to sleep in, Um, and I really just kept clothes and every uniform that I own Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, like, important papers and stuff.
2: and just commenting on that, I mean, I've had so many offers just from people here in the office and from um, our mentorship groups of just hey if you need to we have an extra bedroom come stay with us and i think that's what's so great about being in this community is that people have gone through this process before and are more than willing to help you Mm -hmm.
1: absolutely now aaron you mentioned um the uniform issue kept every uniform why is that so important uh and shauna maybe you can talk about this too we've we've talked previously (laughs) about the change in seasons a uniform shift
0: right so um i'm going to the submarine community and uh Guam is whites all year round, so you, there's no blues to whites transli- transition, but as soon as I get there, and before my stuff will be there, there's a sub ball. Um, plus there's a uniform I need to check in um, with, and I'm gonna have to go to work, and I'm gonna have to do all this stuff once I get there, before my stuff will get there. And I was sort of going through, and like trying to tally up which uniforms do I need, which I don't, and I thought it's easier just to keep all of them.
2: And for me, I- I will need my blues to check in, and then shortly thereafter, I'll need my whites. And I wouldn't have known that had I not uh, reached out and, and asked.
1: And now how about uh, looking for a place to live? This is challenging when you're just uh, trying to PCS, you know, even, even within the same state, you know, we're talking Northern Virginia to, to Norfolk, Virginia, so how about for uh, looking for a place overseas? What, is, what has been your experience?
2: So for me, it's slightly different because I I can't, um, I am going to be living off base, but I can't actually start, you know, looking on Zillow uh, to find an apartment for myself in Japan. I, I have to wait until I get there, and then I'll go to the housing office. And my sponsor's been really good about sort of walking me through that process. Um, and uh, once I get there, I'll be able to figure out where I'm going to live. But I know it's different for you.
0: Yeah, so in Guam, again, because it's America, um, there was no real restriction. I just... Uh, contact contacted someone I know that already lives there and she put me in touch with a realtor and they've been sending me um, listings and we've been narrowing it down and then once I get there we're gonna go around and find a place
1: okay so in the end where do you go for answers what, what did you experience or what would you recommend now that you have actually gone through the process of prepping for an, an overseas assignment
2: start with admin um, and then go back to admin again and again uh, because they will tell you something and you'll nod your head uh, and then 10 minutes later you'll you wonder okay what actually is for example nav pto what is right. that Right.
0: yeah so y- things keep coming you just keep getting so first you get this letter of intent and you're like okay well what do i do with that and then you get orders and then you're like okay so now there's a whole range of things i need to start doing and i don't know what those are and then sometime later you get this port call in your email and you're like hmm. I don't know what that is. Uh, and that's that's how you get your actual travel. Um, you know, you take that port call, you call Sato, and you give them the control number. They ask you some questions about when you want to leave. And then they just book your travel lawyer there on the phone. And then you email them your orders and your, um, your port call. And, and then, then you have a flight. And then you have a flight. And I didn't know until I got this port call. Oh, crap. I mean, how... <laughs> Um, So
2: many of the answers that I've gotten have been from people um, in the command who have been overseas before and Mm -hmm. uh, remember what it was like or just coming to talk to PDO. um, Just using the wealth of information that's present, but you you have to let people know that you you need help.
0: Yeah, I think the important thing is there's no one source. You just talk to as many people as you can. Um, People who have lived in the area where you're going before um, people, you know, senior officers, PDOs, admin, you just talk to as many people as you can over and over your again. Your sponsor. Yeah. It's always a great yeah. resource. Right. Your sponsor and the person you're replacing, if it's not your sponsor, um,
2: and Google, Google's good too.
1: Any, uh, any final thoughts for, uh, for anyone out there who's listening, who's, who's going to be going overseas in that second tour or, or a later tour maybe, and, and hasn't experienced it.
2: There will always be anxiety, but I think, um, Just going into it with an open mind and and being willing to sort of roll with it.
0: Yeah, just being able to roll with the the bureaucracy of doing it is hopefully, you know, I can't say I haven't been stationed overseas yet, but hopefully going to be worth it. And it's, it's really exciting and people will help you through it.
1: Well, the plan is to link back up with both of you um, in about six months and see uh, how the transition actually went, physically getting you from point A to point B, um, and then how you're doing in your job. So we'll be reaching out uh, to both of you in the future. So hopefully we'll get you back on and and hear that things are going amazing and that you beat the bureaucracy of the the travel and that it was actually worth it. So thanks to both of you.
0: you. Thank you. You have been listening to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Visit jag.navy.mil for additional chapters of this podcast series. Thank you for tuning in.